The original pilot received mixed responses from focus group screenings, leading to parts being rewritten. (laughs) (laughs) Try this again. The original pilot received mixed responses from focus group screenings, leading to parts being rewritten. And welcome to Parks and Rewatch. I'm your host, Joe. What up? I'm Joy. And we are a couple of Parks and Rec super fans who are bringing you the ultimate Parks and Recreation podcast. We're going to rewatch the show. We're going to break it down in some fun ways. And it's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm really excited for this. It's literally everything I've been hoping for. <laughs> Same. Since this is our first episode, I thought it might be fun for not only for Joy and I to get to know each other a little better uh, because we met each other. Air quotes. Yeah, air quotes. Met each other for this endeavor specifically, but for all of you who may not know us very well to get to know us a little better. We're going to just take three quick questions that... uh, will help you get a little more familiar with us. So, Joy, where are you from? Uh, The question where you're from is even more complicated now than it used to be. So, like, technically, I'm from Kansas City, but I haven't lived there in a long time. So if you, like, hey, where do I live now? In Chicago area. Sure, that works. Where do you live now? So I live in western Nebraska, we're in what's technically called the panhandle, although some people kind of gripe with that because it doesn't really look like a panhandle. So, Joy, what do you do? I'm currently in between jobs, but in previous lives, I have done uh, church tech and live video directing. Awesome. What do you do? I love it. So, I am a youth pastor at a church here in Gearing in the town I live in. And I've been there actually uh, this this April, I think. It's either April or May. Uh, it will be, I think, nine years that I've been there full time. That's legit. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. What, uh, are you youth pastor for like junior high through high school? Yeah, yeah, I do middle school and high school. We do two weekly youth groups and uh, I absolutely love them both. I just, I love students. I love working with them. It's so much fun. Uh, I get to use a lot of my different sort of creative gifts and passions and it's the best. That's amazing. I'm so glad you get to do that. Yeah, me too. And and it really, uh, I have it to thank for learning about video production and audio and stuff because, you know, the really the first instances of me doing stuff was always with the youth group. You know, we, we have our own YouTube channel. We make a YouTube show and, and stuff like that. And it's really where I kind of honed a lot of these skills. What is your favorite Parks and Rec character? Yes. The, or who? The all-important question. It was a little tough for me, but I had to go with my absolute all-time favorite. He cracks me up pretty much every single second he's on the screen, and that is John Ralphio. It's a close one between him and Ron Swanson, because Ron is kind of a main character. John Ralphio obviously is a supporting character, but he's just so fantastic. I have to go with John Ralphio. <laughs> Define fantastic. 
oh my goodness, just narrowing down the list of potential favorite characters. The main metric I used was how much do they make me laugh? You know, however you quantify that. When they are on screen, like how much of that total percentage am I laughing? Mm. And the highest character, hands down, using that uh, system is, is Jean-Ralphio, for sure. That's so interesting because he is one of my least favorite characters. Really? Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> So I'm excited to unpack that. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I think I feel like this is like if somebody asks you who's your favorite character from Harry Potter and you say Harry Potter, it's Mm. like Mm -hmm. same when you're like, who's your favorite character from Parks and Rec? And it's like, oh, gosh, it's got to be Leslie. So many people have told me how similar I am to Leslie, like uh, in some of my church tech work, I got to plan um, these offsite events for like 1500 students and leaders. And like, we would take over these empty spaces and add all of the audio video lighting and chairs and everything. And so we talked about like, I got to have a Mack truck plan. If something happens to me, I need it in paper in a binder and everyone needs to know where it's at. So let I me tell it. you, my binders are beautiful. That is a total Leslie move. Mm-hmm. But really, I think if I had to pick who I'm most like, I'm right in between Leslie and Ben. It's yeah. kind of scary. That's it's a good a place of, to be. A lot of extremes. The sensibility of Ben and and the, just the raw like nuclear energy of Leslie. That's a dangerous combo. Yeah. Who would you be if you had to be a character? Ron. Definitely Ron. Uh, That's amazing. You know, and and I get this sometimes because people just assume I'm an extrovert. Uh, you know, because I I can be you know the center of attention. I can be loud around people. I can be crazy. Um, but you know, really there, there's a Ron inside that's just like, (laughs) leave me alone and go away from me now. Yeah. And for our podcast listeners who can't see what we're, what I'm looking at in the background, right over Joe's shoulder, I see a framed picture of an Eagle. Yes. That feels very Ron Swanson to me. (laughs) And, uh, and you have a wood wall, which I'm assuming, you know, you sawed your own lumber and stuck it up on the wall. Uh, so that would actually get me Swanson points deducted. It is, (laughs) it's a laminate. Oh no, not a laminate. It just, it just, I know, he would be so disappointed. It, it just looks very convincing. Uh, fun <sighs> fact about the eagle painting, though, my, or, or the drawing, my mom actually drew that and, uh, and made the frame herself. She's, uh, she's an artist and she's amazing. So she might be a Swanson. She, she very well, she'd probably be closer than me. Uh, no, mm. no contest there. So this is our first episode. Today we're going to be diving into the pilot. So from IMDb, they said, a new documentary following Leslie Nope, a mid-level bureaucrat in the Parks and Recreation Department of Pawnee, Indiana, as she attempts to advance her career and make her town more beautiful by helping local nurse Ann Perkins turn a construction pit into a park. Who knew such a dry set of words put together could be something so enjoyable? Right. If you pitch that to me, I would turn it down. Mm. I would say that's like, boring. okay, how you how you gonna do that one? <laughs> that's not gonna work. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that it's interesting that it did work because if you're a casual fan of, of Parks and Recu- Recreation, you might not know that it was developed by Michael Schur and Greg Daniels, both of whom had previously worked together on The Office. Like the British office or the American office? The American office. So Greg Daniels was actually the person sort of given charge of adapting the British version to the American version. 
the the British version, of course, created by Ricky Gervais and uh, Stephen Merchant. Ricky Ger- Gervais, Gervais. I used I to know. say I just... it. I used to say it Gervais, and then I listened to the Office Ladies, and I'm pretty sure they say it Gervais. Mm. So. Was he the same guy that was the the head of the museum and Night at the Museum? He was. He that's, was. That's the only role I can see him in. <laughs> that is amazing. I, Ricky Gervais' laugh is my favorite. So anyway, uh, Greg Daniels, Michael Schur, they worked together on the American version of The Office, which uh, I think probably you know was a, a perfect precursor to Parks and Recreation because that also was a comedy a, about something that you might not have gone for at the pitch just the the small setting in which it was contained and the way the subject materials approached doesn't exactly you know at first glance catch you as like this is going to be really dynamic and funny so Mm, if there was mm -hmm. anyone to take that premise for parks and recreation and make it into something dynamic and funny it was definitely michael schur and greg daniels so as we've kind of talked about, Michael Schur uh, was a producer and writer for the comedy series The Office and co-created Parks and Recreation with Office producer Greg Daniels. He created The Good Place. Oh my gosh, I love The Good Place. You know, I have not watched it yet, but I've been told by many people that I should. Oh, it is everything. I'll just, I'll stop there. So the spark for Parks and Recreation was lit when Ben Silverman was named co-chairman of NBC's entertainment division in 2007, and he immediately asked Greg Daniels to write him a new comedy show. Silverman and Daniels had previously worked on The Office together. Greg Daniels and Michael Schur began writing what would become the pilot of Parks and Recreation. However, and I found this interesting, the concept for the series did not really come together until Amy Poehler was cast as Leslie Nope, and the what show was then absolutely the show was then written around her. Mm, you know, they say perfection's very hard to find, but this one, this is perfect. It literally is impossible <laughs> to imagine. Points awarded. <laughs> <laughs> it, well it literally is impossible to imagine anyone other than Amy Poehler in the title role of Leslie Nope. Around the time that they cast Amy Poehler as Leslie Nope, they also decided the script would include the mockumentary comedy style of The Office, and like that show, would allow for improvisation on set, which genius move in my opinion. However, they did not consider the script an office spinoff, and NBC officials vehemently insisted to media outlets that the show was a completely separate series, despite the similarities between the two shows. So that brings us to our episode of the day. Very special episode, as it is the show's pilot, and it's our pilot. Yeah, we can, we can definitely use the word special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so it was called uh, Make My Pit a Park, and or pilot it originally aired on nbc in the u.s on april 9th 2009 the episode was written by series co-creators michael Schur and greg daniels and was directed by daniels the episode introduced the protagonist leslie nope played by amy poehler as well as the other regular characters played by cast members rashida jones paul schneider aziz ansari aubrey plaza and nick offerman i would just like to note real quick that donna and jerry are not here yet yes and that makes me so sad Yes, and and I will definitely be uh, exploring this and, and talking a little bit about it later, but it's a crime that the show did not realize Donna's full potential earlier than it did. Truth. I, I started watching the pilot, and I was like, that that is not... That's not Donna. That is not Donna. <laughs> what have you done to Donna? 
it, it's so sad. It's so sad because, you know, as with many things in the show, you know, we're coming into it. Uh, it's the pilot. It's a new series. It, it takes a little, much like The Office, it takes a little while to find its footing. Nowhere is that more clear, I think, than the example of season one Donna. So tuning back in, uh, Leslie Nope is our protagonist, a mid-level bureaucrat in Parks and Recreation Department in the fictional town of Pawnee, Indiana. Side note, I really want it to be real. Yeah, it, it just, it sounds so much like a real town in Indiana. I have Such a hard Indiana. time believing it's not. I'm just going to assume for the rest of this series that it is, in fact, real because it is in my heart. I, I accept that. I accept that. Just like little Sebastian. <laughs> May he trot forever. In, <laughs> in the pilot, Nope sets out to turn a construction pit into a park after local nurse Ann Perkins uh, complains about the dangerous pit during a town meeting. Her anti-government boss, Ron Swanson, played by the brilliant Nick Offerman, brilliant. reluctantly allows her to form an exploratory committee after her friend and colleague, Mark Brandanowitz. I never realized how his name was spelled. And Me it's neither. really, really overwhelming. It is. It's a it's lot. It's Brenda with N-A-W-I-C-Z on the end. Yeah. Brandon Nana Wicks. Yeah. Uh, I, if I had to pronounce that cold, like having never heard it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't arrive anywhere near Brandanowitz. So um, the internet is full of fun little quotes. So it some is. random person who didn't watch past the pilot said, it's not the best start to a series. I presume it must get better as it ran for six years. We see more of Leslie here, and she comes across as hopeless. I disagree with that, side note. Andy's rather sleazy as he tries to hit on Ann Perkins. Andy? (laughs) Do they even know what they're talking about? I just, there's so much in this quote. You you better finish it, and then we'll we'll unpack it a little bit. The less said about Ron, the better. He keeps a sawn-off, double-barreled shotgun on his desk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first of all, it's Tom. Tom is the sleazy one. Yes. Andy is sitting on a couch with casts on his legs. And he is Ann Perkins' boyfriend. (laughs) Way to go, random person from the internet. Getting to some of our recurring segments that are sort of going to be backbones of our episodes going forward. Let's talk about our likes and dislikes. Joy, what did you like about this episode? Oh my gosh, so many things. So... Having done live video, I find myself, whenever I'm in social situations, like consciously making eye contact with whoever's speaking, like as if I'm a video director and I'm like, and we're on camera one, we're looking at Leslie and now we're at camera two, we're looking at Anne. And so I I love how, especially like in the public forum scene, the camera is delightfully going back and forth between Anne or whoever is talking and then it goes back to Leslie to see her reaction and she's just like oh I don't know but it's not like such a whip pan that it's Mm -hmm. disorienting it's just enough to be like oh gosh turn my head and oh gosh turn my head I have such high respect for the videography I also am in love with the extras they picked like the amount of work they went to (laughs) to pick the extras from the girl in the intro scene to the random lifeguard dude that was on screen for two <laughs> seconds to like all the people in the committee. I want to be at those interviews or auditions when they're picking out like the random delightful elderly people yes. who are like, it's too loud. Like, <laughs> how do you get such 
quality people as your extras. It really is amazing. I mean, so many, so many of the extras evoke that feeling of I know this person in real life. Like this thing that's happening, I've seen this. And you really are as curmudgeon as you look. <laughs> Congratulations, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> Who did what to you? I don't know. I don't know. Um, the stunt work when Leslie fell into the pit. Yes. In my heart, I want to believe that that was actually Amy Poehler, but yes, it's I specifically obvious. did not try to Google who the stunt woman was because I want to believe that's Amy Poehler. And unlike our random person from the internet who said Leslie's hopeless, I'm actually so amazed at her promise and her resolve to fix things, mm -hmm. even though she had like no information. And when she jumped in, she jumped in. Absolutely. Yeah. What'd you like? I love the little boy pulling Leslie's hair in the park in the, in that first sort of montage. I uh, think I missed that. It's one of those blink and you'll miss it moments of which the show has so many good <laughs> ones. On one of my rewatches prepping for this episode, I noticed that uh, in the montage where Leslie is getting the drunk guy out of the slide, there's this little boy who is up on part of the playset. He has two handfuls of Leslie's hair and he's just pulling away. And that is the only thing he does in this episode. And he's only on screen for a few seconds. And I love that this child actor was just given, given this role. And they said, you have one job. Hey, Grab that's his claim lady. to fame right there. Exactly. And, and he knows it. He's owning his role. He's living his truth. He is, he is doing a beautiful job of just pulling that hair. And, and he will uh, forever get to use that every time he plays two truths and a lie. I loved Leslie's line, what I hear when I'm being yelled at is people caring loudly at me. I love it so much. It's a brilliant piece of writing. It sets the stage perfectly for who Leslie is as a person that she can just walk straight into basically these tsunami waves of negativity and vitriol from people and come away with something positive. I also loved Tom writing down Leslie's quotes when Leslie dictates a quote to him and we see in a from a different angle that he's just scribbling lines onto a pad uh and what then a he, schmuck come I on it. I love it <laughs> <laughs> and uh my favorite part about that interaction is that Leslie immediately asks Tom to read the quote back to her he I think I wrote that one down he said, committees cover our democracy with blood. Yes. And she responded with, sounded better when I said it. Still yeah. good, though. <laughs> How? I love it. How can someone have that much <laughs> I, optimism and idealism in the world? <laughs> I, I can't. And I just love that she instantly forgets exactly what she said and thinks that <laughs> what, what Tom is quoting back to her is her actual quote. She's so in the moment. My last like for this episode is that on close inspection, I noticed that Ron has what looks like a hole-in-one golf trophy in his office. Do you know, Joy, what a hole-in-one golf trophy is? I mean, I'm assuming you did something cool. It went on a golf course and you hit the ball and made it in. Yeah, so... First. Uh, I. I know this because when I was very young, I think I was in probably third or fourth grade, 
I actually got a hole in one during what? a tournament at a golf at, at during a golf tournament. It was completely by accident. Uh, I actually topped the ball and, and hit it way too hard, and it was flying at like Mach two across the green because uh, it was a, a short. It was a short. <laughs> I heard the boom when it hit the the pin. <laughs> which is what happened. It hit the pan at very high speed. And somehow, instead of bouncing off, it actually just stopped and went down into the hole. And I got a hole in one by complete accident. And I got one of those trophies. Uh, so hole in one trophies typically are some arrangement of the number one with a slot for the actual golf ball that you sunk the hole in one with to put into the trophy and commemorate that sporting achievement and ron swanson has one of those in his office which i found interesting because obviously it's the pilot we haven't really established the character of ron swanson yet but he Mm -hmm. does not strike me as much of a golfer and uh specifically if memory serves me correctly we only see one other explicit reference to him having anything to do with the game of golf at all one other time in the series Wow. Yeah, I just felt very uncomfortable with his office in general because it wasn't... It's like, you know, when you go back to your grandma's house and you're like, oh my gosh, this is exactly how I remember. I feel so calm here. Mm-hmm. Ron's office is like full of tchotchkes. It's so different. It's so different. And there's different. no breakfast poster. No, no. I can't. There's so much that's different. It is very uncomfortable returning back to the pilot iteration of his office when we know what it goes on to become. And in a way, that probably serves for a metaphor of a lot of the first season. So let's also talk about how you got a hole in one. Congratulations. And so did Ron. So you are then fulfilling your life goal of being Ron. (laughs) Yes, that is a similarity. And I I did go on to score very badly and not place at all in that tournament. uh, You know, you win some, you lose some. (laughs) I lost Way to show up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, but you got that one trophy, so. I do. I have no idea where it is. I don't think I have it anymore, but I do know it, what they are. It lives are. in your heart. It does. It does. Somewhere with, deep down. With little Sebastian. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did, you, what did you not like about this episode? I think in general, it is easy to bag on season one a little bit because, you know, like the show that Parks and Rec is often compared to The Office, both shows... They took a little bit to hit their stride, and, and once they did, they, they became so good. Um, so really what I did is that I kind of, instead of going for general criticisms, I kind of tried to look for little things that I hadn't noticed or seen before. So I just have one for this episode that's something specific that I never noticed, and I've watched through the, I've watched through the show multiple times, never noticed this until I watched the pilot specifically for the purpose of making this podcast. And that is that there is a theme in Leslie's accessories that is the scales of justice. Oh, wow. Uh, she wears it in a necklace, and that's the first time I notice it. She, she wears it as a necklace. She has a scales of justice necklace. And then when the show cuts to the next day, she's no longer wearing the necklace, but she is wearing a pin that also displays the scales of justice. And I don't think I'm going to like that if that is a theme throughout the entire show that I've just mm-hmm. never noticed, partially because I don't like that a detail like that got by me until now, and partially Mm. because I think that's a little on the nose, and I don't love it. 
So you have a vendetta against the scales of justice? I think I do. It it won't become a full vendetta unless they keep showing up uh, past season one, I think. Maybe we should take notes of things Joe has a vendetta against. Oh, man, that's going to be a long list. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Did you have more? Uh, No, that's it for me. So, Joy, what did you dislike about this episode? Oh, my gosh. So many things. (laughs) <laughs> so in college, right, um, had to take a film analysis class where we started like uh, dissecting all these random films and you have to like, you know, check out color. What does color speak to you? Are there continuity errors? So like that ruined me for the rest of my life of being mm. a normal viewer of anything. So let's just start it off real quick with the small painful detail of how Tom, the character we know later on, as like super bougie and very mm-hmm. fashionable. He's wearing a red tie with a pink shirt. Oh, I never noticed that. Yeah. Way less than desirable. I'm so disappointed in him. Hmm. Um, I have a feeling you're going to ruin a lot of things for me. I'm sorry and you're welcome all at the same time. <laughs> yes. I'm here for you. Yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. It's both. Okay, so like I can't watch the office or like i haven't to this point because i get so gutturally uncomfortable Mm. with how things happen (laughs) and like i feel gutturally uncomfortable with tom's (laughs) awkward advances i'm like okay first of all why is nobody saying anything and they're just standing there and it's like but uh, but why but why why does no one say anything (laughs) It definitely seems like that was a moment that was taken a little more from the office playbook where that awkward situation kind of just drags on and on longer than is is realistic. And it definitely seems like the show moved away from that kind of thing as it found its groove, probably to its benefit. I, I would agree with that. Here, here. Okay, can we talk about how in the um, in the public forum scene, Liz, Leslie Pinky promised to Anne that she would do something about this. And then they never actually did the pinky promise. How is it a pinky promise if there is no shot of Leslie and Anne actually embracing with their pinkies as one does when you make a pinky promise? My mind is blown right now. Uh, Is Leslie actually an evil genius? Did she, did she fake promise Anne something and never actually like, like, did never actually made it a binding contract. Oh my gosh, Joe, is this a conspiracy theory? Oh my goodness. This is Oh a, wow. This might have just become a conspiracy show. And here we are. Let's look for a conspiracy in every episode. Yes. <sighs> oh my goodness. I never noticed that. That bothered me. And because I'm a tech person, also the mic technique at the forum when they were in the auditorium before the light shut off is horrible because the mics were like two feet away from them. And that's just like asking for feedback. Also, um, in one of my jobs, I had to do OSHA training and I have my OSHA 10 hours safety certification. Mm -hmm. Technically, hard hats are to be worn on construction sites when there is a potential of something dropping from the sky on your head. There's no overhead potential of dropping things. So I'm very confused as to why Leslie had a hard hat. (laughs) And why she went on a construction site in heels. Yes, that is definitely asking for it. I mean, granted, they're closed-toed, which is better than open, but uh, semantics. 
All right, so let's do some episode behind the scenes and trivia, some general facts that you may not have known. So originally, the pilot received some mixed messages from focus group screenings, leading to parts being rewritten and new scenes shot in order to make Leslie and Mark more likable. Um, originally, Mark was interested in Anne and asked Ron to greenlight the park project purely so he could pursue her romantically. This was rewritten, so Mark asked Ron to help Leslie because he genuinely thought she deserved to succeed. A recurring storyline in season one was Leslie Nope not living up to her mother's expectations and reputation. When the character was rewritten in season two to be successful at her job, this storyline was dropped, with her mother making far fewer appearances on the show. Which I think was a good call. I I agree. I think that was a good call as well. Um, You know, the dynamic between Leslie and her mother in this episode is one of those things that feels kind of forced. Mm. And when we do see Marlene Griggs' note pop up in the show, again, it feels much more natural. I think their relationship works much better as one that's based on affection and mutual respect uh, rather than this dynamic that I think they wisely identified wasn't working very well. Yeah, I mean, all roads lead to Valentine's Day at this point. The pilot episode was filmed in Southern California, The construction pit featured in the episode was dug out by the episode's producers at an undeveloped property in Los Angeles. The producers went door-to-door to to neighboring residents to seek their permission, then rented construction equipment to dig the hole in the ground. The pit was guarded 24 hours a day, and paparazzi regularly came to the set to take photos of the actors during filming. The exterior of the Pawnee government building and several of the hallway scenes were shot at the Pasadena City Hall building. The interior Parks and Recreation Department scenes were filmed on a soundstage. The windows could drop water that would simulate falling rain, and the windowsills included fake pigeons. Joy, did you know that? What? I did not know that before researching for this episode, and I just have to say the... People who built built the set, the set dressers, wow. I mean, and I noticed that there is a scene in this episode where Leslie's doing a talking head in her office and it's night and it's raining outside, and that's when it just hit me. That's fake rain. Mm. Uh mm. and and wow. I mean, fooled me, obviously. I mean, they had to show off the set that they built, so they had yeah. to have at least one scene in the pilot that had rain, and look at the look at the rain we built. Guarantee you, if I'm the guy in charge of building the rain devices for the windows, I'm going to want those in every single shot. Moment of glory! <laughs> it works! <laughs> like, I, I, I just... I am wanting to believe in my head that that guy literally only had one job for the entirety of the series, and that was just making sure those windows can rain. And that was all that he got to do. Let's go with it. (laughs) Seems reasonable. (laughs) So the cold open scene was filmed in an actual playground in Los Angeles. The spiral tube slide used in the scene was the only one of its type left in the city because the rest had been deemed too dangerous and removed. How do you feel about that? I need to know why tube slides are dangerous. My thoughts, I I would think that that would be the safest kind of slide because you can't go over the side. I mean, unless you're climbing on the outside of it, which is not the original intent of the designers. So, I mean, I guess you could deem the height of it too dangerous. You could, I, I don't know. And also, how did the drunk guy get stuck in there? 
Have you ever been able to keep yourself stuck in a tube slide? I have, as a matter of fact. Probably chalk that up to youth ministry experience and uh, and some hiding, hiding, yeah, some hiding in the dark <laughs> game at some point. <laughs> um, but if you position yourself correctly in the bend of the slide, you can put a foot out and kind of create some resistance on the opposite wall of the tube slide and, and sort of use that that the opposing forces to keep yourself trapped in the bend. Although it does take some work. So he probably, uh, he probably was really working for it. But would you be able to sleep there Absolute. and wedge yourself in there if you're drunk? Well, I don't want to say absolutely not. <laughs> but, but maybe it's plausible. We the, should get Mythbusters to check that. That, that would be great. Uh, yeah, I don't think the over under on that is great, but I don't want to say impossible but question mark. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So that's some behind the scenes and trivia about the pilot episode of Parks and Recreation. So now we get to a recurring segment where we choose things that we felt elevated the status of the episode or were just really a, a breakout piece of awesome. And we are going to call this segment the Coronation of the Beautiful Rule Breaking Moth. I'm going to go first on this one. I decided as my beautiful rule-breaking moth for this episode, I was going to pick Chris Pratt's grabber tool skills. Mm. Mm. In rewatching this, I just noticed how precise and quick and graceful his moves with that grabber tool are. He grabs a single kernel of popcorn off the table with the grabber tool, flips it into the air, catches it in his mouth, and then almost in the same motion, grabs an empty bottle, again with the grabber tool, and flips it over his head to Anne, somehow without hitting her or breaking the bottle. Part of me wants to know where there are multiple takes, but then part of me also just believes that Chris Pratt is that good, and he nailed it first take. I have watched him in many films, and he fully embodies the character he's playing, so I'm going to go with It's Real. This is just Chris Pratt method acting 101. So, Joy, what is your beautiful rule-breaking moth? Uh, We talked about it a little bit at the top of, like, Leslie's undying optimism of, like, just thinking everything is always going to go well. Like, even when Mark was trying to talk her out of the park and he names all of these things that could go wrong and she's like, hmm, sounds like you're telling me to go for it. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. All right, Leslie. All right. Our next segment is the flip side of the coin to the beautiful rule-breaking moth. It's the shaming of the Jerry. In this segment... Jerry. I know. In this segment, each of us pick our Jerry for this Mm. episode, which represents something that we felt held the show back um, or or just generally was annoying in some way. So Joy, what is your Jerry for this episode? Well, first of all, this might just be too obvious, but I'm just sad there is no Jerry. Mm. Mm. That's an interesting pick for a, a Jerry. I know it's the absence of Jerry that causes the Jerry. It is so meta. But really, I think I'm sad that the little girl in the intro didn't talk at all to Leslie. Like, not Mm. even one sassy comment. Mm. I feel let down by that. What was yours? Mine is 
one of my biggest bones to pick with the early seasons of the show, and that is the show's treatment of Mark Brandanowitz. Uh, it, it really just seems like the writers made a kind of lopsided effort to paint him as sleazy and selfish, but he's actually very thoughtful and considerate, and he constantly goes out of his way to help others. Uh, the situations that the show kind of shoehorns him into where he's less likable, they feel forced and out of character for the way that the character is portrayed most of the time. He sticks up for his friends. He's honest in his relationships. It just seems like the show keeps trying to kind of push him into this corner where he's less likable, where just the way that Paul Snyder plays him, that's not where he belongs. In my highly informed and unassailable opinion, he hmm. is the heart and soul of the first two seasons. So we have arrived at the part of the show called the awarding of the little Sebastians, where yes. we rate the episode overall against the entire catalog of Parks and Recreation episodes out of five possible little Sebastians. So five being the highest possible, representing the best overall Parks and Recreation episodes. One obviously being the worst. Joy, how many little Sebastians do you give Pilot? I mean, I want to be optimistic and be like, good job, champions. You gave it an effort. Like, they they really did develop the original concept quite well. Mm. And they set the, the, they set the table for each of these characters to grow and to build from there from the concept of we are starting from nothing and go fly little characters i think i'm gonna give it a two just because just be, i know it's probably only deserves a one but just because effort was exerted would i willingly watch it again probably not but that's okay you know i feel like you embodied leslie nope in that moment. I feel like I just witnessed a Leslie Nope <laughs> yes! speech. Oh my gosh. It's my I was, dream. I was transported for a second. I was inspired. And suddenly I grew long blonde hair and <laughs> have pictures of strong women politicians behind me, not closet doors. <laughs> what was your little Sebastian? You know, it's tough and you talked about it. Being the first episode, I hate to rate it low. It's obviously an important episode because it introduces the plot and the characters and it brings us into the world of parks and recreation. Without it, we never would have had anything that came after. But knowing what the series goes on to become and how the characters and writing develop, I do have to give this episode only one out of five possible little Sebastians. I know. That's okay, though, because much like The Office, it does improve quickly and find its groove in later episodes. So now it's time, Joy, to ask the all-important question. This segment is called, Where in the World is John Ralphio? Where we speculate in episodes that the character is not featured in, where he is, and what he might be doing. So, oh Joy, what do you think John Ralphio is up to in this episode? Oh, gosh. John Ralphio, at this point, I'm going to speculate that um, he used his father's money to go to Australia just so he could say he went down under. <laughs> I love it. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> mm, mm. 
<laughs> what do you think? Where is he at? I think he moved into the slide after Leslie cleared it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic John Ralphio. I just think, you know, it might have been one of those phases of his life where <laughs> technically he's homeless. Oh, what a quality answer. <laughs> We've established it's a good place to crash, so it just makes sense. <laughs> you just, as you said, just wedge yourself on in there and have a nice nap. <laughs> All right. Well, at the end of every episode, we are going to be proactive. We are going to improve ourselves and maybe inspire you to improve yourselves as well. We are going to talk about how we are implementing Johnny Karate's five karate moves to success mm. in our own lives. So in case you need a refresher, Johnny Karate's five karate moves to success are number one, make something. Number two, learn something. Number three, karate chop something. Number four, try something new. And number five, be nice to someone. Good job, Johnny Karate. Way to make the world a better place. Such a practical system for self-growth and, and improvement. So mm -hmm. let's start with number one. Joy, what are you making or going to make or planning to make? Yeah, it's like super nerdy, but I absolutely love Legos and I absolutely love rock climbing. So naturally I am building a Lego rock climbing gym in my basement. And oh. I have this whole idea for a variable angle wall section that I want like you push a button and it goes and changes oh the goodness. angle and changes the angle again. I need to actually get working on that. So that's what I want to do this week. That's not nerdy. That's incredible. That's a power move. It's just like, one of those where it's like, oh my gosh, are you judging me because I'm an adult fan of Lego? Absolutely not. It's I'm, fine. I'm it's a youth a pastor. I'm a youth pastor, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I am I am going to be the last person to judge anyone for anything toy related. Oh, you welcome me in my Lego. Absolutely. Thank you. Legos are the best. What are you going to make this week? It's kind of lame, but it is important. This week, I am making an effort to drink more water. Like a champion. Yeah, normally I'm pretty good about this. I, I do try to keep the water going throughout the day and, and get about, you know, what we're supposed to get or, or whatever, whoever sets that number. Uh, but the last <laughs> few weeks, I, I kind of let it slide a little bit and I just kind of am feeling the effects, feeling a little mm -hmm. dehydrated. So I'm going to keep that hydration going. I think Johnny Karate would be so proud of your effort to be in tune with yourself so you can be better karate. That that makes me feel good. Is that even a, that. can you be karate? I think you can. Especially if you drink more water, I guess. <laughs> Joe, what are you going to learn this week? This week I learned that $1 hot dogs at Sonic is a siren song that I need to avoid. Oh, gosh. It, the advertising worked on me. I saw their ad for $1 hot dogs on oh, Thursday. It, it was kind of my Ron, Swan, my Ron Swanson coming out or just like see something delicious, mm. go consume it. And I did. And then I didn't feel good after that because they were $1 Sonic hot dogs. So, Joy, what did you learn this week? What did I learn this week? Well, I learned that Pro Tools is not compatible with Catalina on Mac. And I did not learn that until after about two hours of troubleshooting. That is so shocking to me that mm. Apple is not playing well with third-party software. Come on, Apple. I love you so much. Just play along. So we're to number three, karate chop something. And this is where we pick something that we would like to 
maybe at least metaphorically, karate chop. So, Joy, what would you like to karate chop this week? Just because Ron Swanson said it at the end and he uplifted it as this beautiful business model, I want to karate chop Chuck E. Cheese because it is terrifying to me. Oh. And probably the bane of every parent's existence because I remember (laughs) as a kid being like, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. And then getting there and seeing the mascot and being like, oh, 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 this is not what I thought it was. (laughs) Okay, bye. It's a trap. (laughs) It's a trap. Run away. The coins mean nothing. I I never got to go to Chuck E. Cheese as a kid. That's okay. Um, they, you still turned out great. Yeah, I I have a feeling I wasn't missing a whole lot, uh, but I did go to Chuck E. Cheese as an adult uh, the day before my wedding. Was that your bachelor party? It was. <laughs> it absolutely was. Uh, me wow, and my so many questions. Yes, me and my groomsmen. Uh, we went to Chuck E. Cheese and just hung out and had fun, and it was fantastic. I'm so proud of your decisions. <laughs> and uh, my sister calls Chuck E. Cheese a children's casino. Seems absolutely reasonable. Yeah, I think Good that's job, Joe's sister. The, the perfect descriptive. Mm. What are you going to karate chop this week? So this week, I would like to karate chop Disney. Oh no, not the mouse. <laughs> but why? Uh, see, here's the thing. I think they're getting too big. Mm. Uh, they're like this massive amoeba that is just absorbing everything around it and growing too big and too powerful and i think that the bubble is about to burst and people are realizing we gave them too much power we entrusted them with too many things and they're not doing a good job Uh, real deep real fast yeah uh you know i just I mean, I, for one, was not particularly excited for some of the remakes to begin with. Mm. Uh, And then seeing how the Aladdin remake turned out, seeing how the Lion King remake turned out, it seems like that attitude was justified. Mm. Can't say I've watched either of them, but I respect your opinion. You know, uh, I just, yeah, I think they got a monopoly. And uh, I think unless something changes... uh, it's not going to be good. It's just not going to be good. I want to karate chop Disney. They're not doing a great job. All right, so now we're to number four, try something new. So this week, I am trying a new kind of soap from Dr. Squatch. This podcast is not sponsored by Dr. Squatch, but hey, I'm putting this out there early, so maybe they will sponsor us, and I can try them all. Um, can we talk about how I have no clue who Dr. Squatch is? <laughs> what What is this? Absolutely. So uh, they are a soap and hygiene product uh, company, sort of born of the internet and and viral marketing. Uh, They have some hilariously fantastic uh, viral video type of ads, Um, but they make primarily bar soap. And it is the only bar soap that I can use uh, because I have dry skin. It's the only kind of bar soap that I can use that does not leave my skin just feeling dry and tight and nasty. Uh, And it smells fantastic. And uh, I like it a lot. I'm trying the Gold Moss bar uh, currently, and and I'm a fan. Dr. Squatch, you hear that? (laughs) Welcome to our podcast as a sponsor. Welcome. Whenever Welcome. this happens. <laughs> We're voluntelling you that you're going to be a sponsor. Bum, bum, bum. So um, try something new. I am just going to try to not get the new coronavirus. Ah, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Solid I'm an Enneagram, goal. Solid I'm an Enneagram goal. 6. 
I yes. got to I yes. got to look out and be like what is going on in the world ain't going <laughs> to get me some coronavirus. <laughs> coronavirus is like uh, hiding behind the couch being like what up I'm going to come get you. No you're not. No you're not. And last but not least, number 5, be nice to someone. Where we pick someone or something that we just want to shout out and show some love to. So Joy, who would you like to be nice to this week? This, this seems very general, but to the people who receive it, it is very specific. My recent obsession is sourdough, and I just want to be nice to someone this week by giving them some homemade sourdough glory. Oh, that's fantastic. So I gave away some loaves this morning, and I already got some videos back from people that their minds were absolutely blown. I saw the pictures that you sent me of the loaves, and they look like great British baking show quality. Thank you so much. I could put on my British accent and tell you how nice the crumb was, and the <laughs> yes. sound when I cut into it was just divine. Yes. It's a good bake. <laughs> I let it proof for long enough. <laughs> Perfect. How are you going to be nice to people this week? So this week, I would like to shout out the YouTube show Hot Ones. Joy, have What's you ever Hot watched ones? Hot Ones? I have no clue what that is. I love it. It's currently one of my favorite YouTube shows. And, and first of all, I just love it whenever an intellectual property starts on YouTube and then makes it into the mainstream. Hmm. Uh, you know, like Good Mythical Morning, you know, Rhett and Link, uh, things like that. So it's an interview show hosted by Sean Evans, who is one of the best hosts, I think, out there in any medium. Uh, he just he interacts so well with every single guest. They have A-list celebrities uh, that have been guests. They guests like Will Ferrell, Terry Crews. The whole premise of the show is they have I think eight or nine spicy wings that they eat while doing the interview. Oh, I have heard of this. My cousin is obsessed with this channel. Yes, rightly so. Uh, and so the wings increase in levels of heat to something I think around the, the two million, two and a half million Scoville unit. Oh, um, gosh into that range and it's hilarious it's surprisingly heartfelt and poignant at times the production value is off the charts it's so well done uh, I love it very much and I think more people should see it and I think part of that comes from the uh, part of me that is a youth pastor and has done more spicy food and heat related challenges than I care to admit uh, I know that pain I know that pain in a very intimate way and uh, so I think leveraging it for something like that has created something truly special and let's be real that's also the ron swanson inside of you it's look true. at that brought it all back around Boom. <laughs> put a bow on it thank you everyone so much for listening we are so excited to be starting this journey out re-watching parks and recreation celebrating all that is great about it and throwing our own opinions into the mix we hope that you are excited too if you're excited about the show and you're interested in supporting us going forward we are on patreon uh, you can just go to patreon right now and search for parks and rewatch and partner with us there become a friend of the show you can also follow the show on instagram at rewatch parks it is literally going to be the best thing ever literally the little sebastian of parks and recreation rewatch podcast social media accounts. and this is only the beginning 
just the beginning. So if you're getting in on the ground floor with us, thank you so much. We're so excited. I'm Joe Patterson. You can find me on Instagram at the Joe Patterson. It has been so much fun hanging out. I'm so excited. Joy, thank you so much for doing this with me. I am so excited. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited too. Let's, let's do it again. Absolutely. And we will next week. So we'll see you then. Okay. Bye.